0: Thinking about just throughout this time, just so much going on in in our country, our nation. We just celebrated our two hundred and fortieth birthday and then with elections and stuff coming up. I was reading this this article and it's titled Only in America and you've probably heard this before, but I thought it was fun to, to hear it again. Only in America can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance. Yeah. Now <laughs> only in America are, are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. Only in America do drugstores make the sick walk all the way to the back to pick up their prescriptions while the healthy people can get their cigarettes at the cash register. (laughs) Only in America do uh, people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put junk in our garage. Hello! (laughs) Hello! Only in America do we use voicemail to screen calls and have call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone that we didn't really want to take the call from and didn't want to talk to in the first place. Only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in packages of 8. I read an article that uh, George Carlin wrote, not necessarily a big fan of George Carlin, but I thought he had some pretty interesting words. It was pretty amazing. He, He titled this article, Paradox of Our Time. He said, the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings and shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more, but have less. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, yet more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to life but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new, a new neighbor. We've done large things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less than ever. Wow. You know, even though there are a lot of uh, negative things about America and, uh, you know, I I still believe that America is the greatest country in the world. We've had the opportunity to travel to five continents and many, many countries and, you know, uh, my viewpoint changed over time as we would travel and I was never... So grateful to get back to America uh, than to leave it. You know, it just makes you realize how wonderful this nation is. You know, we sing and we say, God bless America. God already has blessed America, and now it's our turn. You know, God has blessed America, and and he's still blessing America, I believe, because of uh, the people that are here. But, you know, we can void things by uh, just... um, the, the way that our country is going, and when we neglect some things, as I preached last last week, but you know we need to we need to do our part to help you know we, we can be good citizens, we can vote, we can be patriotic, we can salute the flag, we can sing the nat- national anthem, we can show courtesy to all people, especially elderly that're <laughs> as we 're getting older, we can obey the laws, we can um, elect officials and not park in handicapped parking spaces if you don't have a, a placard but you know <clears throat> that's really not enough I want you to open your Bibles to 1st Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 Paul writing to Timothy this young pastor he's giving him some instruction and these words still hold true for us today we can make a difference in this nation again. Amen. Paul says in First in Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, <clears throat> verse 1, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all good godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, the Apostle Paul really gives us some instructions here on some things that we can do to bless America. Uh, and the first thing he brings out in the first two verses is that we can pray unceasingly. Then we see also in verse two that we must live righteously. And then he wraps it up by saying that we must evangelize fervently. I want us to think about those things and to consider how we're doing in those areas and maybe to consider about uh, doing a little bit more in those three areas. First of all, in the first two verses, Paul says, I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. I read a a little story. It said that a a teacher walked into the classroom and she saw a bunch of boys huddled over in the corner and she read them and said, what are you doing, what are you doing? And they said, oh, we're shooting craps. And she said, oh, that's good. I thought you might be praying. Wow, you know, and uh, it's like our country is like that. Um, I think that's part of the sadness. You know, people often, we, we huddle together here in America, but it's not for prayer. We, we gather together. We generally huddle together to play something or to, to attend something, to watch something, to, but we seldom huddle together in church or, or come to church. People, sometimes we, that's the, you know, if it's convenient, then we do. Uh, Samuel Chadwick, he he was the author of uh, The Way to Pentecost and also The Call to Christian Perfection. He said this, he said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Well, I'd have to say amen to that. Andrew Murray, author of over 240 books and the forerunner of the Pentecostal movement, said. The man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to, the world, to world evangelism in history. Wow, that's true. Prayer is so important. And we need to need not just think of it as an afterthought or just something that we do, you know, at, at mealtime or whatever. Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Prayer is more important than preaching. It uh, really connects us with God. E.M. Bounds said, what the church needs today is not machinery, or organizations, or more uh, and novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use, those mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men and women of prayer. Amen. That's true. It wants us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the vessel that God uses. You know, we've got to be people of prayer if we're going to see anything good come to America. That's why this country is great, because of men and women founded upon Christian principles, and then would pray and, and, and pray for this nation and pray for God to intervene, and he has. And you know, we need to pray at home. We need to pray at church. We need to pray at prayer meetings. Uh, we got to pray when we're driving our cars, when we're, you're doing your laundry, when you're mowing your grass, when you're uh, doing your chores. Just pray. we must, We got to pray when we get up in the morning and when we go to bed at night. Just pray. I've, I've told you before, I was watching, we were at a movie one time, and I was watching this movie and it just all engulfed And, I, and I, was, I, I found myself, I was praying for the <laughs> person in the movie. I thought, wait a minute, that's not going to work. But then I thought, well, wow, I mean, maybe it ought to be such a part of us that that's what we turn to automatically, that we pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 17. If you want to memorize a verse, here's a good verse to memorize it says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. How in the world do you do that? Pray without ceasing? Prayer should be an attitude, not an activity. Remember that. It's not so much just a posture, of the, uh, a physical posture, but it, it's a posture of, of our spirit and of our soul. It's an attitude, not an activity. It's something that, we, that ought to be about us. I mean, we ought to be about prayer. That's, it, it ought to just govern us. It ought to flow through us. James chapter 5, verse 16 James writes, "The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much." And women, that includes you too. The effectual fervent prayer. That the NIV says, "The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective." Sometimes we wonder if our prayer makes a difference. It seems like, well, did that make any difference? You know, when we stop, that's that would be the thing that we, I guess, that we could tell that it made a difference. It's like. Um, Homeland Security and those that watch for terrorists in our nation, sometimes we don't know if they're being effective or not. But yet we see the the things that they prevented. If you remove that that protection and that oversight, then we really see how effective it is. Sometimes we don't realize that it's really being effective while it's being done. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. You know, we might say, does it really do any good to pray for people, though? Because people just have a mind of their own. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. What do you think about that? You know, you know, maybe we need to spend more time praying than we do eating or pray more t- spend more time praying than we do other activities and, and um, see if it really does make a difference. I think it does. We give up too easily, I believe, because we think that we're not seeing a result. But yet we don't really realize that there's a dimension out here that we're not aware of that our natural eyes don't see that really is causing things to happen. Prayer changes things. So Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. If we had more prayer... For the law enforcement that the, the, the people of the law enforcement agency that aren 't doing right, And maybe that would ch- change and, and rid them and uh, that we 'd see some things change, but it doesn 't do any good when we have acts like we saw in Dallas that just brings about more animosity and, and more hatred and, and more violence we 're seeing some outbursts of what is is happening in our country and people it's up to you and I to stand up and the first thing is to pray and pray unceasingly the second thing that he encourages us to do is to live righteously well we ought to know that we ought to know that that's our responsibility but sometimes we just kinda take it for granted he says there in verse two he says that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness God wants us to be godly people he wants us to be holy people How are you doing on that? (laughs) You know, he wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be holy at home, at work, at Walmart, (laughs) while you're driving, while you're shopping. Um, You know, we can be pretty good people at church most of the time, but, you know, God's very much interested in how we act and react outside of church. How are you doing on that? 1 Peter 2, verse 12, Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and your good life and glorify God. Live such a good life among unbelievers that even if they accuse you of doing something wrong, that your life's going to produce a, 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 and glorify God. Wow. There, there's four, ways that, four basic ways that we can do this, live a, live a righteous life, or in, we can improve our, our righteous living. First is to follow the, the example of Christ. You know, Jesus said in in John's gospel, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So, you know, the old thing that's been around for years, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, just follow his example. That'll help us to live a righteous life. The second thing is follow the example of godly peers. You know, the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, Follow me as I follow Christ. So find someone that, that is that's living a righteous life and emulate them you know Um, let them be an example to you then we need to acknowledge that uh, we have shortcomings and faults, and repent and change change your attitude you know we need to examine ourselves and see where we're falling short and repent and ask God to help us and change our attitude the fourth thing is is read and do what the Bible says Just read the instructions and do what he says. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. (laughs) He didn't just write it down for us just to read it every once in a while. He wrote it so that we would hear it and then do what it says. Paul told Timothy in the third chapter of 2 Timothy, he said, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So read the word and then do what it says. How can we bless America? Well, we can bless America by praying unceasingly, by living righteously. And then the third thing he brings out in this scripture is that we must evangelize fervently. What does that mean? It means with passion. Where's the passion in the church anymore? It's like, yeah, we're just a a group of dry bones. And... (laughs) that's what we do need to pray that's why I was praying today Lord just raise up an army of believers that uh, are let these dry bones come to life and a great army of believers who not only just take our country back but uh... make a difference in this world i I believe we're living in the last days i believe that this is the closing hours and you know i want to see the church go out in a blaze of glory not you know a defeated foe and i believe that's up to us It's really what we do god wants. God wants people to be saved, not just a select few, and so who are we to select who we're going to witness to or whatever? It needs to be a lifestyle. Evangelism needs to be a lifestyle, and it needs to be fervent. Leighton Ford was one of Billy Graham's uh, associates, and he would preach times when Billy wasn't there, and, and uh, he said, he told a story, he said he was speaking in an open-air meeting in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and um, Billy Graham was supposed to speak the next night, and so uh, he was speaking. Well, uh, Billy Graham got there early, and he came in, and he had a cap on and some sunglasses, and sat down on the ground. It was just an open-air meeting; and sat on the ground there behind some, and uh, directly in front of him was an elderly gentleman. He said who seemed to be listening pretty intently to the, the message that was going forth. And when Layton Ford invited people to come forward, well. Uh, Billy Graham decided that he would do a little personal evangelism so he tapped the man on the shoulder and and he said um, would you like to accept Christ he said I'll, I'll be glad to walk down with you to uh, if you'd like and so the old man looked up at him looked him up and down thought for a while he says I think I'll just wait till the big gun comes tomorrow night <laughs> He was going to wait for Billy Graham to come, and it was Billy Graham talking to him personally, you know. <laughs> evangelism not just the job for the big guns, okay? It's for us. It's for the little shots, you know, not just the big shots. It's for each one of us. And, you know, we need to be involved in it. Um, it, it means, you know, evangelism, the definition is bringing the good news of Jesus into every human situation and seeking to convert individuals and, you know, our society around us by the divine power of the gospel, bringing Jesus into every circumstance and situation. How do you do that? He's got to be with us. He really does. It's not just a program that we do every once in a while. You know, It's, it's a passion. Evangelism has to be a passion. Because when it's burning inside of you, it will it'll show on the outside. Many years ago, amen, many years ago, um, the preacher D.L. Moody was criticized by his evangelist, his evangelism methods, and he made this statement. He said, uh, I like my way of doing it better than I like your way of not doing it. <laughs> and so, you know, well, what's the right way? Well, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit will help. One thing it does say, it says to do it passionately and, and not to be, you know, rude in, in doing that. You don't beat somebody into, into submission or whatever. Statistics show, and this is sad, statistics show that 95% of all Christians never lead anybody to Christ in their entire lifetime 95 percent of all Christians never lead anybody to Christ in their entire lifetime that means 5 percent of all Christians do 100 percent of the work of evangelism now the question is what group are you in you know, in which group are you uh, the Lord doesn't expect us to do everything but he does expect us to do something he, and it's not that hard. We think that, well, we have to be taught this or that. No, we just let Christ shine out of us. Take him in every place that we go, wherever you are. You know, it's just amazing. Some of the most memorable opportunities to witness to people have just been, you know, things that aren't planned. It's just, you know, at a gas pump, you know, uh, in the, the aisle of a, a Walmart store or sitting on the back of a Harley or something like that. Just amazing. Amazing. You know, Peter says, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that, it, that you have. You know, if we have hope, it, that means you know. if you know that Christ is your Savior, that He's going to take care of things, people see that. They see something different in you. They see a trust. They see a hope. And they'll ask you, well, how can you be so calm during this time when everything is falling apart or when this person your, your loved ones ill or this has happened how can you just how can you be so calm and and um, just full of hope you know we need to be prepared to share the good news as Paul as Peter says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is that you have but do this with gentleness and respect and there's the qualifying thing about evangelism do it with gentleness and respect. I've seen people be real, almost obnoxious in evangelism. Try to intimidate people. That's not my method. And I don't think that's the, the way, I don't think that's the Lord's method either. Gentleness and with respect. You can respect people. I, I witnessed to a Buddha, uh, a, a Buddha, a Buddhist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Buddha was sent over as a statue. <laughs> I witnessed to a Buddhist, in the Himalayan mountains about uh, you know 18,000 feet elevation sitting on a rock watching golden eagles fly around and uh, was, uh, had the opportunity. And that was in an area where there was anti-conversion laws. It's against the law to convert anybody. But he asked me a question, you know, and uh, so I answered it. And, and he wanted to know, you know, about the peace and the joy. You know, where does that source come from? Because we came across several shrines going up into the Himalaya mountains and I just told him I said well you know you guys have all these gods I said I just can't remember all those people I said but I serve the one God the one God I said yes the creator of that cow the creator of this mountain the creator of the river all these things that they had had shrines to I said I just serve the one God and you know what he's so powerful above all else really Can I get to know this one God? I said, absolutely. And just shared with him the simple message of how Christ died on the cross. You know, people want to see something in you. They see a peace. They see a joy. You know, that's why evangelism needs to be a passion. It needs to be a lifestyle. Not, you know, just a program or something like that. Because when people see it in you, they want what you have. And they're watching. They know when it's real and when it's not real. I read a little story about... uh, one Sunday, uh, a mom and her little daughter were driving home from, from uh, church. And the little girl said, um, Mommy, there's something I want to ask you about what the preacher said. And she said, okay. And she said, well, the preacher said that God is so big that he can fill the universe. And her mom said, that's right, he is. Well, but mommy, he also said that uh, he comes to live in your heart. And, she, and the mom said, that's, that's right. She said, well... She sat there for a little bit thinking how kids do, and she said, well, mom, if God's that big, and he comes in us, wouldn't he shine through? Wow. You know, he should shine through. If he's that big, we need to let him shine through. You know, he ought to be real, and we ought to be real. We ought to be passionate about loving him, living for him, being used by him in prayer so that he shines through and that the people around us want what we have. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. He said, neither do you light a a lamp and put it under a bushel. Let your light shine that men might see your good works and glorify the Father. That's what we're to do. That's how simple it is. You know, Let that light shine that's in us. You know, is God on the inside of us? If he is, he'll show through to the outside, I believe. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to be sensitive to you. If the passion of Christ is burning on the inside of us, then the passion should spread to the outside of us and to those around us. Father, help us to be that light that you have created us to be. Lord, help us to realize that evangelism is not a program, it's a passion to bring people into a relationship with your Son Jesus. Lord, that we should realize that. Evangelism is simply helping people to discover that Jesus can be their Savior through a personal encounter with with him, just leading people into a personal encounter with Jesus, then to follow him by becoming his disciple, and then, Lord, they in turn begin to help others discover and follow Jesus. It's just that simple. Lord, you've given us the task to win the lost and develop the saved. Help us never forget That that's what you want us to be about. That's how we can bless America. That's how we can turn things around. One soul at a time. One life at a time. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, touch our hearts. Just touch our hearts. And help us to be passionate about souls around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'd like to ask you to stand this morning. And... I want us to pray together today and you know I want you to honestly consider the simple message today that we need to pray unceasingly we need to live righteously and we need to evangelize fervently just those things let's keep it simple and just be about that people sometimes you think well I don't know what I could do for the Lord you can pray well you know I I, my talent isn't like Brother Gabe, and, uh, well, you, know, you can pray. <laughs> and he's called all of us to pray. And he says there in Thessalonians, remember, he says, pray without ceasing. Let it be a lifestyle. Let your life then live that righteous life. And then watch for the opportunities to share Christ with others, to pray with them. Sometimes you can just say, well, can, can I pray with you? And that's, man, I've never had anybody tell me no. And a lot of times I'll say, can we have a little word of prayer? And you know shaking my head like that can we have a little word of prayer and most nobody minds a little word of prayer and of course I'm convincing them that this it's okay um, and people don't turn it down we walk down hallways in, in hospitals and somebody had heard us pray in another room could you come and pray with my mother could you come and pray you know with with my uncle or whatever it's like yes what a privilege and people notice those things it's fun it's fun when you turn around and look and see how God is working in every part of your life. I challenge you to be a part of it. Take the hand of somebody next to you today, and uh, let's just pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you today that we have the honor of saying that we are a child of God. Thank you that we are a part of your great army. We're a part of the church of the living God that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Lord, we pray for the person on our right hand that you would strengthen them, encourage them, heal them, Father, of all infirmity, and Lord, that they would be uh, a, there would be a newness coming into their life. Father, we pray for the person on our left hand that you would do the same, that you would strengthen them and encourage them, Father. We pray for them to be healed from the top of their head to the sole of their feet right now in Jesus' name, Father, that you would open new doors. For them, Father, in always thank you for the opportunity to to shine light. So we bless them, Father, and where they're blessed, they cannot be cursed. Father, we give you praise today. Thank you that we can come together as a body of believers in such a time as this that we're living in. Lord, thank you for Light Christian Center and the mission that you've given to us, and Lord, that just. One light at a time, one life at a time, one soul at a time. Father, we're going to be that light and it's going to grow to shine brighter and brighter. So, Lord, we thank you for this. As we leave this place, we don't leave your presence. And so, Father, anoint us that we can be a light that dispels darkness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.